0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the third Sunday of Advent, December 12, 2021, offered at the Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Luke chapter 3, verses 7-18, through 18, John's Preaching in the Wilderness. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, it was maybe a little bit easier reading last week when we first encountered John the Baptist, right? We hear his father singing and praising God and giving thanks for the birth of his son. And then we heard in our gospel last week that John was this Clear voice calling out in the wilderness, right? That could be heard over all of the noise of empire and everyday life and, and what was going on. And John's voice is heard to be saying, Repent, be baptized, prepare the way of the Lord. And our reading this morning, we see that people like heard John's voice and so they show up and they're ready to hear the word of the Lord that's come to John, right? All sorts of people, a big crowd, regular folks, even tax collectors and soldiers and religious leaders, they're all there. they come to the wilderness. They are eagerly waiting for the word to come from John. And then they hear the words, you brood of vipers not quite the message that maybe they were hoping to hear, and I would be willing to bet you didn't come to church this morning to hear the words, you brood of vipers, and to be chastised by some wilderness prophet. But that's the funny thing about the season of Advent is that it is there to challenge us so that we can be prepared, right? We don't get to the baby in the manger or the coming of the kingdom of heaven without hearing the challenging words of John the Baptist in the wilderness, And so our task this morning is to not just shy away from the fact that John's sort of first impression maybe leaves something to be desired. He has called us a brood of vipers. But to listen more deeply to what John is saying for the good news that he is offering. Right. John has called these people out there. He has called the people of God to a season of repentance To a time of metanoia is what it's called in the Greek. It literally means for a time of turning around. Turning around their thinking and their actions. Turning around their relationships with each other and with God, right? And so the first thing that John tells them after calling them a brood of vipers is to say, hey, this comfort that you hold on to because you are a descendant of Abraham is not as comforting as you think it should be. The repentance that God is calling for to prepare for the Messiah isn't just simply achieved because you are the right sort of person born in the right sort of family. John says, look, if God wanted to, he could take the stones and raise up children of Abraham. That being the chosen people of God does not exempt the crowd from the work of repentance that needs to happen. And when the crowd hears this, when suddenly what they counted on seems to be gone, then they ask the question that probably really speaks to us, which is, John, what should we do? Right? If you're telling us it is. Not just enough to be faithful and to follow God and to be God's chosen people. And it's not just enough to do the best that we can to take care of ourselves and our families, to pray and to feast and to fast. And we've come all the way out here in the desert, right, to this weird place. And you're wearing those weird clothes and and you're calling us these things. And we're here to be baptized what do we need to do to show our repentance to show that we have turned to a new life you can almost feel the anxiety that's in the question right like I'm right there with the crowd you know I get this question I can feel it in my bones right I'm doing the best I can to do right and to be um to to be who god is calling me to be but then yet again there seems like there's something else something more something different that i should be doing and just hitting that point to go well what is it what should i do then i know i have felt this In my life in ministry in my life before i was ordained i felt it especially in the past few years right when i look around me at communities and the world that is hurting and i'm just here doing the best i can and i don't know where to start right where do you pick you know how do you deal with the fact that we're living through a global pandemic or how do you deal with the fact that we have people in our communities that are mistreated and are treated differently and unfairly and unjustly just because their gender or who they love or their immigration status or the color of their skin. Where did you start with that, right? How do you stop a cycle of violence in your neighborhood? How do you stop school shootings? What do you do when a tornado goes through four states and destroys towns and kills people and tears apart lives and the water is being poisoned and the earth and the climate are changing and all we are left to do is to say, well, then what should we do? I know I get stuck at that question. I get stuck at the question of what then would you have me do God to where I can't take the first step to actually doing something and to me this is the good news of John's words because when the crowd says well if it's not enough to be faithful people of God that pray and fast and take care of our families what then should we do John doesn't give them a ten-point plan right John tells them If you have two coats, you give one to somebody that doesn't have one. And if you have enough food for your family and your neighbor doesn't have enough, then you share what you have with the people that need it. When the tax collector comes and says, then what should I do? John doesn't tell them, dismantle an oppressive system of taxation that marks the Roman Empire. John says, do your job fairly. Collect no more than what you are supposed to collect. When the soldier says, then what should we do? John doesn't tell them, go quit your job and find another way to make a living other than being a soldier. He tells them, don't use the power that you have as a soldier to abuse or extort things from people. But instead, be satisfied with the wage that you receive. And don't use your power to take more than what you need. See, for John, if we have repented, if we have turned our lives and our hearts towards God, then our actions are going to bear fruit. It's not what's one more thing that we need to do to show how faithful we are. We need to just simply live faithfully. And that begins first with sharing out of our abundance practicing fairness and justice in the places that we work and refusing to use whatever power or control we might have to abuse somebody else. And here's the trick. The real answer to this question, right? When we're asking the question, then what should we do? Because we want to tackle some big problem. And John is saying, start at home, right? Share what you have, Don't abuse your power. Be kind to people and act justly. John is also really saying, hey, you are not the savior of the world. The work that you are given to do is very much within your means if you're willing to act and have a life of repentance it's not a 20-step plan to dismantle the Roman Empire or change this temple system of worship, right? Those that came out there to hear him, if he had said that, would have been frozen to inaction just like I feel sometimes, right? But John answers their questions with, here's the simple first step. And if we work and respond to repentance and good news in our lives and begin to transform ourselves and our families and our workplace, then what happens is that that repentance in our life that's borne out through our acts of love and justice begins to add up, begins to undermine systems that support injustice and inequality. But more importantly, When we focus on the work that is ours to do, right, not saving the world, but living more justly and kindly in it, we can move from the anxiety that led us to the question of saying, well, then what do we need to do? What's the next quick fix to the expectant hope? Because when John tells the tax collectors and the soldiers and the crowd what they need to do, all of a sudden, they begin to be expectant. They begin to think, well, maybe the Messiah that we've been waiting for really is here and near, and maybe it's John. And then John, as a good prophet, says, it's not me, right? I am here to walk with you for this little bit, but there is somebody coming greater than me, right? Someone that is more powerful than I am. And while you are doing step one here, repenting and preparing yourself to move from anxiety to hope, that the one that comes after me is going to do so much more because they will not just baptize you with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And so in John's preaching, while it starts out, you brood of vipers, he takes the people that have come to the wilderness to be baptized from a moment of anxiety where they can't see that the Savior is near to expectant hope where they are ready for Jesus to enter the scene. This Advent, we again are called to expectantly wait for the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of God. In that, we are not called to anxiously try to be the saviors of the world, but we are called to live lives that bear fruits of repentance to where God's mercy and love and abundance play out in our lives, in our homes, in our workplace, and in our community. And if we let go of the anxiety of trying to do the work that isn't actually ours to do, Man, we can move from anxiousness to hope. We can have our lives stirred up by the power of God so that the people around us seeing us, right, seeing these fruits in our lives, suddenly let go of anxiety and move to expectant hope so that we can all stand ready and know and wait and say that surely our Savior is near. Amen.